Join me in prayer here as we jump in the word today. Father, thank you. Thank you for your presence. Lord, thank you for your goodness in our lives. Lord, you're so clear, so clear, Lord. When you come in the room, when you minister, when you breathe on a situation, <laughs> the difference between the peace that resides in our heart and overcomes us when you're there, God, or when we're moving beyond, we've gone into a place where you're not leading us, Lord, where there is no peace. Lord, it's so clear, and we're so grateful for that. I thank you, Lord, this morning that you're leading people by your peace. There's some in here, you've been having to make decisions, and you've been wondering what the criteria for that decision is. Like, how will I know it's the Lord or not? Follow the way of peace. So I feel like it's just a word for maybe just one of you. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But... The peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. He will keep you. He'll hold you. And when peace lifts, don't go. If there's no peace in the situation, say no. It doesn't matter how good of a deal it looks like. The answer is no, don't. Don't move forward. Holy Spirit of God, I thank you this morning that your peace is going before us, that you're touching, that you're moving, you're unlocking, Lord, doors of opportunity. You are giving freedom and you're providing favor for people and i thank you lord that you're teaching us to walk by the spirit not by the law lord i thank you for that liberty that is released this morning in your word to this people so we pray these things right now in jesus mighty name and if you agree to that you said amen, amen. yay all right hey how many were here last week how many were present for that sermon you were able to hear last week's message just show of hands how many did not i'm just sinners there you are we we forgive you we have mercy um no i the reason being is because i'm going to build upon some of the things that we began to talk about last week now after after last week's message i had many of you come to me and and express how impacting it was and how it shifted how you had been perceiving things how you've been thinking about things and uh, so necessary probably that we keep laying you know layer upon layer here uh begin to talk about this a little bit more and help us come into a fuller understanding and so we're talking about the kingdom the reality of what Christ Jesus brought into this earth. His rule and his reign and how it manifests in our moment of history. We're talking about how your life is meant to partner with heaven. How you're called to see on earth as it is in heaven. In every situation that you walk into. All all the areas of influence that God's given you, how you're meant to see heaven's influence impact people and situations. Last week, we began to talk about systems and structures. And it's necessary to refer to this stuff because if we get trapped within, if we get stuck under a system, a structure that this world has created, if our mindset is that we are to work our way climbing the ladder of success within a worldly structure, 
then we end up imprisoning ourselves instead of experiencing the liberty that Jesus meant us to walk in. Now, it was a lot of words right there, but I'll slow it down just for a moment here. Are you with me, though? You understand. Now, if, if you were here last week, it's very possible that we began to, you know, uh, I, I said it during the sermon that, that there was just no way you were getting out of here without me kicking over your sacred cow, right? We were, we were gonna, we touched lots of, uh, of areas that we get passionate about as people. The systems, the structures that we become impassioned about influencing. Often, there will be life, energy, years of life spent building influence under a structure. And so for me to come back last week and go, hey, by the way, <laughs> that like is a prison. <laughs> you should get free of that stuff. Might have been a difficult word. But thank God for his grace and his mercy, how he unlocks us from that stuff. We're called to freedom, called to experience liberty. And uh, that stuff, man, it brings you joy. This is uh, Romans 12.2. Let's do a quick review from last week. Romans 12.2. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There are patterns and systems in this world. We go to work and you show up in a business that business has its own culture, subculture. That business has a structure to it. If you gave your life, all your energy every day to build influence within that structure, and at the end of your life stood before Christ, you may find out that your life's energy that was poured into making money and gaining influence within a business has no eternal value. That would be a bummer. The patterns of this world are not meant to restrain your life. In fact, you have been called into freedom. This is Galatians 5.1. It says this. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. I love that statement. It was for what? That he set you free. Why did he set you free? so that you would be free. So don't, so keep standing firm. Why you gotta keep standing firm? Oh, because this world tries to create patterns and systems and structures to keep you from expressing that freedom, to create parameters and control that hinder your life from expressing that freedom. Now. Keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Politics, religion, the monetary systems, the business structures of this world, the power brokers of this world, all create within these things. Over the terms of history, religion has created many different systems for 
humanity to improve their lives, to get closer to God. And all of the system and structure engineered in a way that keeps you and I on the ladder of idea of improvement, but none of these systems and structures open the gate to your heavenly Father. And this is the point, that there is one door, one gate. There is one ancient pathway. It was created through a blood covenant. There are no other access points to your heavenly Father except through the covenant of Christ Jesus. The blood covenant that we, every week we rehearse, we talk about, that blood covenant has made a way, that it has opened the door, it has rent the veil, it has removed every obstacle out of the way. You do not need to go through a religious system in order to gain access to the Heavenly Father. You do not need to attain to some form of enlightenment or pathway or power or you know, riches of this world, any of these kinds of influence, you do not need to attain to any of these things in order to gain access to heaven. It is through the blood covenant of Jesus Christ that he opened the way to the Father and there is nothing that stands in the way now between you and your God. There's no list of things you have to do. There is no attainment of law that you have to fulfill. Righteousness has been given to you in Christ. He has made you with right standing before the Father and you have access. What does that mean then? That means that there is no religious game. I can't, as a pastor, come up here and trick you into behavior modification so that I can get you to do what I want you to do or what religious tells you to do and promise you access to heaven. You don't need to buy your pew. You don't need me to serve you communion. In fact, you can serve each other communion. You, you know, and I, I, we're joking, but like in terms of the context, because we're in church, but you don't need to come to church The joy in giving, the joy in attending church and being a part of community, the joy in the communion, in the rehearsal and remembrance of the covenant is that we get to access the Father free of our heart and out of our abundance commune with him, commune with people. There's a life that flows into it. Are you alive? Okay. All of this reality... In the world, the scripture says, we will have trouble. Jesus promised us it. And the reason that we have trouble is because God set us free and the world is not interested in you having freedom. Because if you are free within a business structure, they can't manipulate you through a pay raise to get you to do whatever they want you to do. Because you're serving the Lord and the Lord is your provider. You're not on the hook. Because 
the way to changing the world and transforming the world, it's not by trying to change a system, but it's by liberating the people who are imprisoned in it. What we're talking about today, boy, that was like a lead balloon went off in here. You guys all right? Here we go. What we're talking about today is this reality. We're going to take a step further into it. The reality that we live in a world with structures and systems and that you and I are called to bring transformation to this world. We really are on earth as it is in heaven. But heaven does not behave or participate or attempt to use the tactics of the world. It does not. Heaven doesn't have a, a governmental system that you vote. Like, God, God's not going to ask if you approve of his leadership or not. Right? But something in the liberty expressed in America has us thinking that freedom equates to me having an opinion in government. See, it's a lower level system that if you get stuck under, imprisoned by the mindset, then you'll feel like you come to that voting box on Tuesday and how you're going to see Jesus advance his kingdom in the world is through a political party. And my friends, the Lord's not even participating. It's not there. Believers who have liberty are there, but the system itself is not serving your king's purposes. Do you see? I had a spiritual experience, okay? I'm going to tell you about it. It was a, I was in the place of prayer, and I was, I was praying for the next generation. Okay, I've had this experience now three different times, and it, it is what it is. It, it is a, a picture, a word picture, I think, for where we're at right now. There was a field, and the field had come to maturity, and there was fruit in it, and the fruit was both good and evil. And the older generation was excited about what they were seeing. The older generation, and I, and I mean like those who have gone before us, those who are of a new gen, an older generation, were excited about the fruit because the outcomes of their labor had produced good things, and through their efforts, they were uprooting demonic things from the land. There was generational effort that was uprooting evils, lies that had been sown into culture Long before, but here we were, a generation rising up, having good fruit, and destroying the works of the devil. And everyone was excited, and our eyes and our attention were on that thing. And so with all haste, we were running to make sure that that evil gets uprooted finally, and, and, and we're going to take it out completely, and all the attention was on that. you get the picture? And behind us in another field, in the field of the young people, in the field of the younger generation, there were new lies being sown into culture. Ones that we weren't thinking about, ones that we weren't seeing. Why? Because we were wrapped up in executing 
within a system attempting to undo a work of the devil. The attention was in the system trying to undermine the work of the devil while new lies were being sown into your 15-year-olds, your 10-year-olds. And our attention wasn't on it because we're not focused on what they're going through right now. We're trying to finish <laughs> and why does that matter? The Lord arrested my heart with it, and the reason is because if you are, if you're giving your attention, if you're trying to win the victory within a system like politics or within a system like the legal system, if you're trying to execute God's justice under the control and dominion of a lower-level system, will miss the ball game. The big picture isn't in that system. God's people are not meant to play ball within the system. We're meant to be free and being connected to the generations. Are you alive today? This is Malachi, or excuse me, this is Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. This is Jesus. He shows up. He has been baptized. He has gone into the wilderness. He has experienced the temptation from the devil. And in that temptation, he's come out without submitting to the devil's temptation. In that process, he comes out and he preaches his first sermon. And his first sermon is this. From that time forward, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The word repent is the word metanoia. It means to change your mind. You've been thinking one direction. And you have to stop thinking that direction if you're going to recognize what God's doing. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The word kingdom, the king's dominion, the rule of heaven is at hand. So Jesus goes into the wilderness. He comes out in victory. He goes to preach his first sermon. And he says, y'all need to change your mind because you've been wrapped up in a religious system called Judaism. You are looking for a Messiah who's going to win a political and military victory and make Israel great again. Just like King David in Solomon's day, where we're looking backwards for a victory and looking to a political and military system in order to achieve the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, the way that you're thinking is wrong. You're not even going to see it. You're going to miss the whole thing. It's not something coming. It's something that is already at hand. In other words, it's not going to come after Tuesday. It's already here. It's not, it's not going to come. It's, it's not going to come as a result of effort. It's not going to come. It's, it's not going to come within a system. By working the system, we achieve something. That's not how the kingdom is going to come. Jesus shows up 
Israel is under the dominion of Rome, and he, go, he tells them, ah, the kingdom you're looking for is already here. The rule of heaven is already at hand. But you're going to have to change the way you're looking if you're going to see it. Israel was looking for a manifestation, but Jesus did not build anything through military, through politics, or even through religion. He didn't build any structures. He didn't build any systems. He didn't start a nonprofit organization to achieve it. He, he, didn't, he didn't use any of the conventional systems in order to achieve what he was, are you alive? He was functioning as an ambassador. He represented the kingdom, told you that the kingdom's already here. The rule of heaven's at hand. And then he doesn't do anything that the normal systems and structures would do. He goes to the rejects. He goes to the broken. He starts healing people. He starts seeing people delivered. He's feeding people by the thousands. The influence of his presence had to have been powerful, man, because you don't get thousands of people to walk out into the countryside following you, and you without you promising anything. Like he's just taking a walk, and they're all like following him. That must have been like really bizarre. Jesus, listen, he was not attempting to reform any of the earthly structures. Man, we spent the last 20 years talking about how the kingdom's going to transform structures, and I just want to tell you, I think it was all bogus. It didn't work. It didn't work. Because the kingdom sets people free. It doesn't try to reform structures. And this kind of thinking, it's revolutionary, and I understand I might pick a fight with some of y'all. Praise God, bring it. But Jesus' influence, he's walking around in, and people are following him, and he's not, he's not speaking about Rome. He's not speaking about even the religious systems. He isn't going into, he's not going into the local synagogue and coaching them how they could do it better. He's not talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees about how the temple system could be improved. He's, he's in there overturning money tables. He's in there... Messing people up. You're a brood of vipers. <laughs> He's not trying to change it. He's ignoring it. He's manifesting something, and he's ignoring the system. Luke 13, verse 18. What's the kingdom of heaven like? This is a great verse. He was saying to them, this is Luke 13, verse 18. He was saying to them, what's the kingdom of God like? What's the rule of heaven like? What should I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and he threw into his garden and it grew up and became a tree and the birds of the air nested in its branches. What's the kingdom of God like in your work environment? Well, it's like a mustard seed. It's just the influence of heaven in you, and when you get in there, you're going to start manifesting God's goodness and freedom and liberty and break provision for people. It's in the garden. Didn't change the system. It just grew something wonderful. 
Again, he said, to what should I compare the kingdom of God? It's like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three peck measures of flour until it was all leavened. Did you love Jesus? <laughs> What's this like, Jesus? Oh, it's like this, and it just feels like it's not related at all. <laughs> it's like leaven, which you take a little leaven, and you just chuck it into the system, and the whole thing encounters heaven. Look at this. It influences. It moves. Leaven is so small, it works its way through the entire structure without changing the structure. It enhances it. It builds it. It makes it better. It doesn't challenge it. It just goes ahead and does its thing. It doesn't tell the white bread, you need to be wheat bread. It's only God's will if it has 15 seeds in it. Spiritual influence is like leaven. It touches, it breathes heaven's life into people till all the people have been touched by the light, the life, and the love of Father. Now, what happens when a local preacher recognizes that Jesus is moving in authority and he wants to challenge it? Ready? Here we go. This is John 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees. This is where we're going to camp out the rest of the time, this story. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Everybody say Nick. Okay, we're going to call him Nick from now on. Nicodemus, right? Nick was a ruler of the Jews. He's a ruler. So in other words, he's a man in authority, and he's a part of the governmental system. A government official, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered and said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is a great conversation. I love Jesus, man. Jesus is like next level Jedi Yoda. Like, <laughs> he ignores and he just speaks to the core issues. Nicodemus comes to him, okay? And you got to recognize this because Nicodemus, Nick, was an elder in Israel's cultural system, he's a statesman, he represents the structure of Israel. And Israel's structure was built under the Mosaic Covenant. It's, it's supposed to represent God. And so this representative of God comes to Jesus and says, Rabbi, we know that you've come from God because of all the signs and wonders. No one could do what you're doing unless God was with them. But we are having a problem with how you're doing it. Because you're not playing by the rules. Because you're not functioning under our system. Because when you go to do a deliverance, you don't do the ways that the Pharisees do it. You just go ahead and tell it to come out. We can see that God's with you. We can see that God is manifesting on you. But we don't know how, because clearly you're in sin. Clearly you're wrong. 
clearly are not coming from our system. And everybody knows that the only way to worship God is through Israel's system. Everybody knows the only way to do this is if you're a Baptist. Everybody knows it's sprinkling, not dunking. Come on. Nicodemus comes to Jesus as a representative of the system, of the structure, and he seems to have a pure heart. He's really there. But he comes at night because he doesn't want to be misunderstood. And he shows up and he's asking Jesus and he's saying, listen, we can see that you are connecting with God and that this is something from God, but it is totally outside of our structure. And Jesus answers the question and says to him, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You will not be able to recognize the authority of God in what I'm functioning in because you're not born again. Systems and structures outside are unable to recognize that it's God doing the stuff through you. A system outside of connectedness with Christ, outside of Jesus' covenant, your workplace, your boss is never going to come to you and go, oh, it is clear that the reason you work so hard is because you love Jesus. They're not going to do that. They are not going to recognize the spiritual reality that you walk in unless you manifest signs. And if you manifest signs, they might recognize the signs. You start healing people at work, they might see those works and go, oh, wow, this must be God. But they're not looking at your life or the influence of the kingdom through your life and recognizing it as God. And they're not meant to. Stop trying to convince worldly systems that it's God that's doing these things. It has nothing to do with it. Jesus is ignoring it. He says to Nicodemus, listen, you gotta be born again if you're even gonna come to see the rule of heaven. Nicodemus' whole framework, his job is to teach God's people how to function within the old covenant. And Jesus tells him, you can't even see the kingdom unless you're born again. Now, look at this. <laughs> I love this. You need spiritual eyes in order to see this. You can't recognize the rule of Christ. You're not going to see it. The world systems will not recognize the spiritual authority that you walk in as an ambassador of heaven. They're not going to recognize it. Look at verse 4. Chapter 3, verse 4. Nicodemus said to him, Well, how can a man be born when he's old? He can't enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? It's a logical question. Right? It's the world trying to answer your Christianese. You ever thought about some of the things we say in church? Like, don't go and say them on the street. I just see you, brother. The Lord is going to wash you in the blood. That's a terrifying <laughs> statement to someone who doesn't understand. You got to be born again. 
Well, I can't enter into my mother's womb, can I? Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So you can't see it, and you cannot enter it. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from, where it's going. So as everyone who's born of the spirit. This is a great conversation. First of all, Jesus is not talking about when you die and you go to heaven. He's not talking about that. Right? He's not speaking of going to heaven after your life. He's talking about you actively functioning and participating and advancing the rule of heaven through your life here on earth. You must be born again in order to participate in the kingdom. Verse 5, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. This this statement is a fulfillment of prophecy. I just want to clarify it because uh, there's, you can read it and you go, oh, he's talking about being like naturally born and then spiritually born. Or he's talking about baptism. And he's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's not talking about either of those things. This is a fulfillment of Ezekiel 36. We read it last week. Let me just read it for you again. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be cleansed. And I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart, and I will put within you my spirit. I will remove the heart of stone and flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinance. He's saying to Nicodemus, listen, if you want to participate in the kingdom, you've got to be forgiven and washed clean. Mercy. And you've got to be born of the spirit. The Holy Spirit of God filling you, empowering your life. Don't be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. Verse 7. The wind blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said, how can these things be? His brain was hurting, much like yours the last two weeks. Your brain hurts. You're trying to get it. What in the world is Pastor Jamie droning on about? How can these things be, he said. Jesus said to him, you're the teacher of Israel, and you don't understand these things. Truly I say to you, we speak of what we know, we testify of what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I told you of earthly things and you do not believe, how will I tell you of heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who has descended from heaven. Me. In other words, there's nobody else who can explain this to you, bud. This is me. I'm trying to talk to you and give you earthly comparisons of what the kingdom of heaven is like. And I'm using natural terms, but you're not getting it. So if I start just straight up talking to you about heavenly things with no earthly parallel, there's no way you're going to get it. Verse 9, Nicodemus says, how can these things be? This last section here, this last statement, Jesus switches gears on Nicodemus, and I think this is actually the transition. This is how we, as God's people, need to come to see the kingdom. We need to come to see our life in ministry on earth. 
Because you and I are called to see on earth as it is in heaven. We, we have the heavens, the breath of God in us. We, we express God's rule through our lives. That rule is not meant to take over. We're not trying to control the world's systems. Jesus made us free. In other words, we're unlocked from all of that. And because we're unlocked from that, I get to just serve and love people, and the rule of heaven gets to be expressed through me. If you like your job, go ahead and keep it. If you don't like it, go get a new one. Like, it's not the system that God's called you to. He called you to freedom, to liberty, and your life is influencing. Nicodemus is in the religious paradigm. And he goes, Jesus, you're not participating in the religious paradigm. We can recognize that God's with you, but I don't get it. And Jesus is trying to explain it to him. He goes, hey, this is what it's like, but if you don't even get the earthly comparison, I can't explain it to you. But let me tell you something that you will get, Nicodemus. And then Jesus launches into what we know as the gospel. And the gospel cuts through every system. The gospel is the reason why we do what we do. It's worth living for Jesus and being persecuted because you can't be controlled. It's worth it. Because of this, what he's about to say. Verse 14, Jesus shifts the gears of the conversation and he launches into the gospel. He goes, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. In the wilderness, Moses had to lift up a bronze serpent, and it, whenever anybody was bit by a snake, they looked towards the bronze serpent that was lifted up, and they were healed. Weird, I know, I don't get it, feel free. <laughs> but Jesus compares himself to it, and he goes, hey, Nicodemus, I have to be lifted up. I'm gonna be crucified. And the reason I'm going to be crucified is so that when people look to me and they believe, they'll enter into eternal life. The gate of heaven is going to be open, Nicodemus. My blood is going to cut a new covenant, Nicodemus. This thing that you have been a part of, this structure, it will believe or it won't believe, but this structure is not what I'm functioning in. I'm cutting a new covenant. Verse 16, look at this. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him would have eternal life. For God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten Son to cut a new covenant. I'm going to add language to this so you can understand it. Whoever believes in him will not perish but they will have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world or its systems, but that the world might be sozoed through him, saved, set free, and delivered. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe 
has been judged already because he did not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And here is the judgment. That light or revelation of these things has come into the world, but men loved their darkness or their ignorance. They didn't want to know. They loved their ignorance and enjoyed the safety of their systems rather than the revelation of freedom, the light. For everyone who does evil hates the light because nobody wants to hear that they built their life within a system that doesn't count. And so they refuse to come to the truth, the light, because they are afraid that their deeds will be exposed, that all their efforts were in vain. But he who practiced the truth comes to the light so that it's proven and manifested as having come from God. Y'all, here's the gospel. Jesus made a way to the Father, and you don't need any of the systems or structures of the world in order to get there. But let me tell you, if you built your life attending church and doing all the religious stuff and trying to be good and all that stuff, then you don't want to hear that from me. You don't want to hear from me that the Lord gave you freedom and the purpose of it was so you'd be free. If you built your life within a structure and a system and you've been serving that and you're trying to ladder yourself up and become more influential and you're becoming all these things, if, if you find out that that has no value, no kingdom value whatsoever, then at the end of your life you're going to be bombed out. And so the message I've been speaking to you is offensive. You don't want to sit through this thing. Another week, Pastor Jamie, really? I don't want to hear this anymore. Can't you just tell me I'm doing good? You're doing good. Good job. The new covenant in Jesus' blood has made a way for us to have access to the Father. Jesus brought the rule of heaven into the world. What was lost in Adam has been reestablished in Christ. His kingdom is at hand. You're not waiting for it to come. It's already here. Heaven's authority won't be recognized by the world. Jesus did not spend any energy trying to convince them otherwise. You must be born again to participate in this kingdom. Experience his mercy and the washing of your sins and receive the spirit come alive. This thing is real. The experience is real and it's available to everyone. Lots of people spend their lives in church learning how to participate in the church system. But that does not mean you know him. It is possible for you to be in the room when miracles are happening, when the presence of God is moving powerfully, 
for you to hear God's voice even and not actually know him. It's funny. I was raised in a school of thought. It's just prevalent, I think, in, in church because so many people are afraid of hell that we try to teach people so just have confidence and put away that fear of that you don't know him. Put it, put the, just shove the fear down. Memorize another verse. And we try to like medicate that knowing in our insides that we don't actually know him. I was 17 years old and I was sitting on my bed, my parents on either side of me, and I remember the moment because I had been raised in church and I had prayed this prayer I don't know how many times. Jesus, forgive me and come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. For that moment, I don't remember really anything about my spirituality, but in that moment, Jesus encountered me. And I got so radically touched. I mean radically touched. Like I knew my sins were gone. I wasn't believing my sins were gone. I knew my sins were gone. Within a year, I was at a revival meeting, and we were in worship, and the presence of God started to pour in on me, the Holy Spirit. And it got so intense, the pouring in of the Holy Spirit, I thought it was going to kill me. God's love is erupting in my heart. I'm feeling life, and out of my belly comes erupting a prayer language, a language of the Spirit. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit that day. I don't have a theology of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. If you're having a difficult time seeing it, and you're so focused on making influence through the systems of this world because that's how you know how to make impact. My friends, in order to see the kingdom, you must be born again. Not churched again. Not altar called again. You must be born again. In order to participate and to see on earth as it is in heaven. This thing is real. This is not a theology and this is not a doctrine. This thing is real. God's spirit will pour into you and make you alive. If you have received Christ and you know you've received Christ, but you're still struggling with sin, be baptized into Christ Jesus because baptism is how the old nature gets removed from your flesh. If you don't know that you know, that you know that Jesus is the Lord of your life, please stop pretending and playing church. Get real. Like, get real, get real. Now, some might be saying to me, and this is the school of thought I was raised in, oh, Pastor Jamie, you're causing doubt and fear in people. Good! Because if that fear is there, it's there. You must be born again. 
Now, this is about the time where we have the team come up and we all sing kumbaya and hold hands and it's a really tearful moment. No, not today. I'm not even gonna give an altar call. I'm not even gonna give you a chance. I'm gonna leave you in your fear. Because I want you to think about this. I want you to go home. I want you to wrestle with it. Do you actually know him? Does he speak to you? Do you respond to the spirit? Are you experiencing his presence on a regular basis? Are you knowing him? Is the power of God being expressed in your life? Does the result of your life actually bring supernatural things? Because all these things are related to actually knowing him. We are at the house. I'm so glad you're here. I really am. I'm so glad you're here for the journey. And all of us are on a journey. And, and I'm, I'm really not trying to leave you in a rough place, but I do want to tell you, please stop like quieting the fears, embrace them, and wrestle with them. Come to know him. Like wrestle with it. Come to know Jesus. If you're not sure, my friends, become sure. Because it's real. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a doctrine. I don't need to convince you. He's real. When the Lord touches your life and he forgives you, you will experience the, the weightiness of your junk peel off of you. You'll feel it. You'll know you're forgiven. When he puts his spirit within you, you'll start to want to do God's will. That's actually how you know. Because before you would want to do your own stuff, but suddenly you're like aware and you want to do God's stuff. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, people wonder, will I know if I got baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yes. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. Okay? The baptism of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit empowers you, okay, it, this is not, this isn't goosebumps. You'll have a manifestation of the Spirit. He will manifest. Some will prophesy. Some will speak in tongues. You'll start to have vision. You'll be able to, you'll recognize the presence of God. That stuff will start to happen around you. All of these things are available. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of the spiritual journey or asking the questions. Let's get real together because I kind of wonder if God's not going to, like, do something real in our nation in these days. Not by changing a system, but by changing the people. Would you stand to your feet today? There you go, the golf clap. Good job. It's all right. Uh, I'm not offended. I've had worse. That's great. Would you put a hand on your own heart? Lord, we invite you today. We invite you. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would bring conviction and clarity. Lord, I pray that every person here today would know you, that they would come to know you. Lord, I thank you that in families where one person has gotten saved, when one pe person has come to know the Lord, that the promise is for their whole household. And so, Lord, I thank you that there's a predisposition for whole households coming to know Jesus. Lord, I pray for those who have not been baptized and have been struggling with sin. Lord, I pray that you would put it in their heart, Holy Spirit, a conviction to be baptized into Christ that that nature might be done away with. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for the confidence 
of salvation and your goodness, Lord, and your love that wants to draw near, the manifestation of your spirit, Lord, in our lives and your fruit, your goodness being demonstrated. Lord, I pray for your people today that this would be a house of encounter. It would become a house of encounter. That every person who walks through these doors would begin to encounter the presence and the person of the Lord. That they would know you, Lord. They would know you. They would know you. Thank you, Lord. Every voice, every person, would you just pray this prayer with me? Because it's, it's the cry of every heart. Lord, we want to know you. Lord, we thank you today for your mercy. It's available to everyone. And so, Lord, would you please forgive us? Please wash us clean. Come on, if that's you today and you know, just pray this with me. Lord, wash me clean. Forgive me. I want to know you. Jesus, be my Lord. Express your rule through my life, Jesus. Let your kingdom and your will be done through my life, Jesus. Father, I pray today for every heart that they had become aware and connected and know you. Lord, I pray in this season that there would be such a breath of the Spirit of God. I pray, God, for revival to touch households, Lord, that kids would wake up in the night praying in tongues and be baptized in the Holy Spirit. God, I, I pray for encounters, deep encounters, and an awareness. Lord, I thank you that the, the, the chains of old systems and structures, all that stuff is just breaking off of us as a people, Lord, and liberty and freedom to love and to serve and to be your people. God, I thank you for that. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would empower every person, every heart, they come alive, come alive in your presence. Thank you for these things, Lord. Now I bless you. I bless your people this morning. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord be gracious to you. His favor be upon your life and to grant you his peace. And everybody who dare to agree with that prayer said, come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord today?